In the book of Daniel, chapter 6, the, the title of the message is The Priority of Your Spiritual Relationship with the Lord. And this is a picture of one of the walls of Jerusalem. And, and David, or Daniel, had prayed looking toward Jerusalem. He was in Babylon. He was 900 miles away. But he would look toward Jerusalem when he had prayed. And it's interesting uh, that the, the history we've looked at in the life of Daniel, previous messages have dealt with that a lot. Uh, but chapter 4 took place over a period of more than eight years. And then chapter 5 took place in one night, the fall of Babylon, the writing on the wall, and then the fall of Babylon. And then chapter 6 takes place over a period of time long enough for Darius, the uh, new one in charge of Babylon, the king of that region serving under Cyrus, uh, the king of the Medo-Persians, and, and long enough for him to, rec- to reorganize leadership, to recognize Daniel, and to seek to promote Daniel, and long enough for the other leaders to get jealous of Daniel and seek to stir things up. In this chapter, Daniel is no longer a young man. We began in chapter 1 when he was a teenager, living for God. Now he's somewhere between 82 and 90 years old. We have a couple of folks here today who are between 82 and 90 years old. That's where Daniel is. But he kind of gets called out of retirement to serve again. Daniel, this actually begins in chapter 5 and verse 31. Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, or regional government leaders, uh, to be over the whole kingdom. And over these, three governors, of whom Daniel was one. Now, some call these presidents and princes that just realize it's, it's uh, like today we would call it senators and the president or something like that, except um, their structure was different than ours. Ours is vastly superior, right? Sometimes the concept of our government is vastly superior to most other governments. It doesn't always live out that way. So one of the jobs they had was to keep track of the money so the king would suffer no loss. Uh, now, I hopefully you have paid your taxes. If not, get them in by Tuesday. Uh, uh, God's plan is that the, he allows governments to tax. I don't think the government uses the money very wisely all of the time, but I'm really glad they have it to pay for road construction and police officers and firefighters and all of that. Verse 3. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above all the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So let's pause right there. Daniel developed a great reputation. When our kids were young, I used to tell them, hey, when you get a job, if you show up early and you're ready to work and you work till the end of your shift the whole time, and if you have a good attitude, you're really going to stand out. And that's true in our culture. And Daniel stood out. He was a believer who followed God's word and God's will. People notice. Even the people who did not like him 
still noticed. In the wisdom literature, Proverbs 16, 7, Solomon wrote that when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Now, that's a general rule. Wisdom literature is general rules. And that's true generally. In chapter 1, Nebuchadnezzar recognized Daniel stood out above all the other guys. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were really close, but Daniel was just a little bit higher. In chapter 5, the queen mom recognized and spoke about uh, the excellent spirit in Daniel. In chapter 6, even unbelievers are recognizing Daniel's commitment to God. And Darius, in chapter 6, appreciated Daniel. Sometimes unbelievers will appreciate believers. In the, the nation of Cuba, when Fidel Castro was in charge of Cuba, and he is no longer alive on planet Earth, but when he was in charge, uh, for a while he really persecuted the churches. And then uh, the Russian government withdrew some of the financial support for Cuba, and they really wanted to get support from America, and the people who were willing to uh, put money into Cuba happened to be American evangelical Christians, And so, like the ministry that I served in in Cuba for a dozen years, we'd go in and we'd hold conferences and we'd preach and we'd teach, and we had the freedom to do that uh, because the government realized the Christians in Cuba were more respectful of the government than the non-Christians were. And because that's a principle taught in Scripture. So Christians have been promoted They've been elected. They've been advanced because of their commitment to following biblical values. But Daniel also developed enemies, verse 4. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not find, I'm sorry, they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful nor was there any error or fault found in him. We looked at that a little more last week. But wouldn't that be neat if people tried to find fault with you and could not? That's pretty amazing. So uh, even though there will be some people who appreciate you because you're a believer, you might get promoted and advanced at work because you have honorable values that you have learned from God's word. But there will be those who reject the Lord. And because they reject the Lord, they reject you. Listen to these words from Jesus. In Matthew 10, 24 and 5, Jesus said, A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house, Jesus speaking of himself, If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, or Satan, how much more will they call those of his household? Jesus said, when I walked on the earth, these people criticized me and accused me and attacked me. So guess what's going to happen to you guys? And so both are true. Some non-believers will really respect your moral integrity, your commitment to work hard if you're getting paid. 
and, and they will appreciate that. But some people who really despise the Lord may end up really despising you. And that's where Daniel is in verse 5. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Daniel had developed a spiritual relationship with the Lord. Now, we begin a spiritual relationship with the Lord when we respond to the drawing of the Father and the leading of the Holy Spirit, and we ask the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive our sins and be our Savior. If you have not in your life had Christ forgive your sins and become your Savior, then you can't grow in that relationship because that relationship doesn't exist. You know, there are uh, people who are very popular, and there are people who watch them on television, and they think they know the person. And they write letters to them as if they're best friends. You know, they, they know this person. They know their personality. Uh, there have been stalkers who have fallen in love with uh, the weather lady on the news. And, and they write letters and try and chase and follow her. And, and there's been big issues of that in our culture. And there are people who think they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because they've heard about it. Because they grew up in a family where the parents talked about him. Because they came to church sometimes or a lot. But as I can testify, you can grow up in church, being there literally every time the doors were open and we weren't sick. We were in church. We were there Sunday morning and Sunday night and our church had regular Wednesday night, and we were there. They had Thursday night visitation, and my parents were there. And I still had not trusted Christ as my Savior. You have to come to the place where you, not, not a faith inherited from your parents, but a faith where you ask the Lord to forgive your sins and save your soul. Paul wrote to the church in Rome and said that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, then you'll be saved. You need to believe and you need to confess and then you receive the free gift of salvation. Once you have established that relationship, then you can grow and mature in it. How many of you are married? How many of you, when you got married, you knew all about your spouse, right? You, you, you thought, uh, be honest, you really thought you knew them really well, right? Come on, raise your hand if that's true. Yeah. And then you got married and then not so good, right? I, I, I said that badly, didn't I? You didn't know them quite as well. <laughs> Honey, after I got married, it was great, okay, okay? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should have Benjamin edit that out. No. no, but see, the truth is, you didn't know him quite as well as you thought you did. Kathy would sing at 5.30 in the morning. I honestly thought 5.30 only came once a day. I didn't know it came twice. And she squeezed toothpaste from the middle of the tube instead of squeezing it from the end so that it just rolls. To, oh, it was... It was amazing. 
And she had no idea that she could fix a meal for six and not have leftovers. See, you think you know Christ when you receive him as Savior. But you learn so much more about Christ when you walk with him in your life over the years. You have sorrows. You have joys. You have delights. You have discouragements. You have difficulties. And you you walk with the Lord over a lifetime. And you really get to know and understand the Lord. And Daniel was walking with him. Daniel had developed a spiritual relationship with the Lord so that when the trial came, he was prepared in advance because trials come to every life. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, 12 and 13 says, Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. There are people who think our culture is getting better and better and better and we're moving toward enlightenment. Uh, The Bible says our culture is getting worse and worse. And thankfully someday the Lord will intervene. Job 5, 7 says, Yet man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. You toss a new log on the fire and sparks go flipping up. As the sparks fly upward, so man is born to trouble. Job adds later in chapter 14, man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. When those trials come, listen carefully, when those trials come, your natural response can be a supernatural response because you're walking with the Lord. So, Maybe you used to really struggle with anger. But as you grow in the Lord, it's not as much of an issue. When those trials come, you have built a strong relationship with the Lord and you've decided in advance what you will do. That's where Daniel was. Daniel was prepared even though he had no idea what was coming. Verse 6, so these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and the satraps and the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Did you hear what it said? Now, there's a very large group. We don't know that all 120 plus the three, we don't know they were all there, but there was a really big group, a large representative group, thronged before the king. But they said all the governors and administrators, all of them were there, and they all consulted together. Name at least one who was missing. Daniel. Daniel would have never said yes to that. Daniel would have turned away from that. Daniel would have said, it's not right to worship a man. We pray to God. Now we have Darius. And to be honest with you, 
Darius looked really good when he came in and conquered. And he looked good when he was going to promote Daniel, right? Doesn't look so good right here. He doesn't... um, Somebody said he's a misguided and gullible king. Uh, If he had really recognized Daniel as the most gifted one, then it might have been wise for him to say, hey guys, that's really an interesting concept. I want to talk it over with Daniel. You know, the WWDD. What would Daniel do? He, he would have just asked that. So he said, uh, but instead, verse 19, therefore King Darius signed the written decree. They already had it ready. They already had it written out. They're buttering him up. Oh, king, uh, you want everybody to just really appreciate you? There has not been a political leader ever who didn't like to have people like them. They wanted to be liked. And sometimes they made bad decisions because of that. And here's one of them. So he makes that decision. And what we're going to really, really think about this morning is not the end result of Daniel being thrown into the lions, but Daniel's decision in verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he knew the law, he went home, and in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day, and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Probably as a teenager, when he made a commitment to really live for the Lord, he started doing this. Now I know Paul says, pray without ceasing. We should have an attitude of prayer all day long. And I know some people, they really believe in praying three times a day. Thank you for breakfast, thank you for lunch, thank you for dinner, and that's it. But what Daniel did... And by the way, they tracked the days differently. So evening and morning and noon, they tracked the day began in the evening. We call that the end of the day, but that was the beginning for them. And so Daniel had three times a day. This wasn't the only time he would talk to God, but three specific times he would get real and get intimate with God. Now, Daniel's response is actually an act of civil disobedience. The law said don't, and Daniel did it. So, I want you please to turn to the book of Romans, chapter 13. And if you can, mark your spot in Daniel. We're going to go back there, and then we're going to come back to uh, 1 Corinthians. So, if you can mark your spot in Romans and keep it there, that'd be great. Romans, chapter 13. Romans 13, let every soul, who does that mean? Yeah, does this include dogs and cats? No, only man has a living soul. Other creatures can be really cute and cuddly or mean and vicious. I was talking first about dogs and second about cats. Uh, but but they, they can... Those, they, they can be beloved creatures that know you and respond to you, and that's fine. But they don't have an eternal soul. 
Let every soul, let every human being, saved and unsaved, every person, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities or the higher powers. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. God designed our world as both a physical and political system. God planned to have governments. He planned for those governments to follow him and they have rebelled against him, but God planned for governments. It's not that mankind rebelled against God and made a government. God wanted governments there. Um, And look at verse two. Therefore, whoever resists the authority, resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. So if you say, I don't have to answer to the government. I answer to the Lord God. Well, the Lord God says, you also answer to the government. And there are groups out there who pick and choose pieces and parts of the Bible they want. Most of the militias that have rebelled against our government have built some of their doctrine on the word of God. I think they leave out this part. So, Daniel was in a place where the rule of law said, you cannot pray to anyone but the king. And Daniel violated that law. So was that okay or not? It was okay, but it says in Romans 13, 2, if you resist the authority, you resist the ordinance of God. Now, let me give you a caution here. No single verse has all the Bible teaching on any subject. So we have to take what the Bible teaches. And let me share with you two special circumstance exemptions that you can have on governmental laws. One is... If the government orders you to violate your Christian faith, to violate your belief in God, that's exactly what Darius did unintentionally, but that was the end result of what he did. He made Daniel's worship of God illegal. And in that response, Daniel responded appropriately, just like the apostles in the book of Acts, when they said, we answer to God and not man. So we're going to obey God and we're going to violate that law because that law violates God's law. So Brother Andrew years ago would smuggle Bibles into Soviet Russia. It was appropriate for him to do that because the government was violating your faith. So that's one of two uh, special circumstances. Today in uh, several Muslim countries, it's against the law to witness For Christ, it's against the law to convert someone away from uh, Muslim faith. And yet there are believers who risk their lives to share their faith to save people. Yeah, that's right. It's ironic to me that we have more freedom to share Christ and we do it less faithfully than they do. They have less freedom, but they do it anyway, knowing their lives are on the line. So if the law requires you to violate your Christian faith, You answer to God and not man. God first, government second, keep it in that order. But there's a second exemption, and this is it. If the government is deliberately, maliciously harming people, and you try to save them, like Corey Ten Boom 
and Anne Frank's families hiding uh, people from the Nazis. That was appropriate. Like Harriet Tubman uh, leading smuggles slaves, uh, helping smuggle slaves in the U.S. That was appropriate. So um, back to Daniel chapter 6. If you can, mark your spot there because we're going to go to 1 Corinthians in a minute. Daniel 6 and verse 10. When Daniel knew the writing was signed, he intentionally broke the law because he honored God first, government second, and he kept it in that order. But notice something else here. Daniel was not putting on a show. Look at the end of the verse. As was his custom since early days. See, Daniel didn't say, I'll show those people. I'm going to get on my rooftop. I'm going to open my windows. And I'm going to pray to God. And what do they think of that? That wasn't his attitude at all. I think he probably got on his knees. He opened his windows toward Jerusalem so anybody who was outside could see him. They often had a, a chamber on the top of their house that was a little cooler because they didn't have air conditioning like we do. And so Daniel might have gone up there and he might have opened the, the but he opened the windows, opened the curtains. You could see. He couldn't see all the way to Jerusalem. It was 900 miles away. Daniel had great spiritual insight, but there's no evidence he had supernatural physical eyesight. But he imagined where Jerusalem was, and he prayed in that direction because he was anchoring himself to Jerusalem, where he had been a prince in Israel before he was kidnapped and hauled away to Babylon. And now some 70 years have gone by, and Daniel's still praying toward Jerusalem. Still calling out to God. Still turning toward him. And don't you imagine in that prayer time he might have said something like, God, I know I'm praying because that's what I always do. And I know what the law says. So I ask that you would please take care of me. That you would work through this somehow. He didn't know God would deliver him. He had no idea God would do what God did. But for many of you, your neighbors could know exactly when your house is empty. They see you drive away on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night when we have the Bible study and prayer on the first Wednesday of the month, Thursday night, maybe helping in Awana. They see you driving away. They see your, your car empty. They, see, they know your house is empty. If they see you driving away and your car's empty, that's kind of weird. Uh, but they know your house is empty. And you trust God and obey Him and follow Him. And uh, sometimes, or not sometimes, but your spiritual discipline could be noticed by other people if they pay attention. If you ever go out to lunch with a coworker and you quietly bow your head and pray to God, by the way, if you do go out to lunch with a coworker, don't get down beside the table, kneel before God and say, Oh, 
God, I pray for this heathen I'm eating with. No, don't do that, okay? You can pray quietly. You don't want the whole restaurant to hear you praying. And if you're just by yourself, just bow your head, pray, and then stop. You have an opportunity to walk with God. And you should not be embarrassed what other people think. The people who don't walk with God, it doesn't matter what they say because someday all of you are going to stand before God, those people and you. And you'll be so happy for those times you stood for God and didn't give in to peer pressure. Now, I want you to look over in Daniel chapter 3. Look back in Daniel 3. Daniel was trusting the Lord, but he had no guarantee of deliverance. And in Daniel 3, we find Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, as they were known in their Hebrew names. Uh, We find them facing a fiery furnace. And look back in chapter 3 and verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not. If his deliverance has taken us to heaven instead of delivering us from the fire right here. If not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. Daniel's doing the same thing. He does not know for sure that God will deliver. But he's praying to God and he's trusting God and he's following God because that's the right thing to do. Daniel loved God enough that he would trust God even to his death. He had spiritual discipline of praying regularly and intimately. And it says in verse 10 of chapter 6, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before God. Three times. Psalm 55, 16 and 17 are memory verses for this month. I want to really challenge you to memorize those. We watched the video on that last week. It's on our website if you missed it. Uh, But uh, David says, a friend had betrayed him and David trusted in the Lord. And he said, as for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon I will pray and cry aloud to God and he shall hear my voice. And there's Daniel three times praying out to God on the very day the ordinance had been signed. And he knew he might be fed to the lions. When he knew the writing was signed, Daniel still followed God the same way he'd been following God for years, for decades, for a generation. Daniel developed spiritual disciplines as a young man that transformed his life. 
And it's easier when you're young, but honestly, at any age, you can turn and follow the Lord. At this stage, Daniel was between 82 and 90 years old. Maybe you're in that group. You can still make decisions to trust and follow the Lord. Job once asked in Job 14.4, who can bring a clean, I'm sorry, who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? And his answer, no one. But Paul actually said someone can. If you have your Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul testified boldly of people becoming clean through Jesus Christ. I love this passage of scripture. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number... I have the wrong reference. Oh, ver- sorry, I was looking later in the verse. Uh, I, verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, those who are involved in sexual immorality, nor idolaters, those who worship other gods, including the American god of choice, money, uh, nor adulterers, those who are in a marriage relationship and have an appropriate uh, sexual activity outside of that marriage relationship, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now here is one of the coolest verses in the Bible. And such were some of you. He's writing to a church in Corinth. And he's saying, you know, some of you used to do this. And you used to follow that ungodly lifestyle. Such were some of you. But then he adds, but you are sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. I left out the word. You are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So, listen. Maybe you have come to this day with baggage. Maybe there's corruption in your life. Bad habits. uh, Difficulties in your life. And right now you say, I have a yearning, a longing to really follow God. Well, guess what? Paul said, such were some of you. And he could say that about you. He could say, such were you. He could say, you know, for the first 60 years of your life, you were self-centered and indulgent and heading down the wrong path. But you chose to receive Christ as Savior. You chose to live for God. And your life was transformed. You were that person, but you're not anymore. Now, some of you, like my wife, you were good kids before you got saved. And some of you, like my wife, really lived for the Lord when you were teenagers. I didn't. I got saved as a teenager, but I still really struggled for several years. And even after, as an adult, when I made a commitment to really follow God, I I still have had difficulties and struggles. But in some areas of my life, 
I can look and say, such were you. That used to be you. That's not anymore. I thank God that he didn't just save us from hell. He saved us from who we were becoming. And he gave us a new life in him. And old things are passed away and all things are become new. And we were children of darkness and he made us children of light. We were on our way to hell and he gave us a home in heaven. And he didn't just save you so you could go to heaven. He made you part of his family. And now we like family. But in the Eastern mindset, family is even more significant than in the Western mindset. In the Eastern mindset, when you become family, that is very, very, very significant. And in God's family, you belong. Oh, you had some baggage. So did some of the folks in Corinth. Daniel is one of those very unusual individuals who shows up in Scripture And there's never anything bad said about Daniel. The closest we find in the scriptural record to a fault in Daniel is he seemed kind of a little rude and obnoxious toward Belshazzar. I think we all would agree Belshazzar deserved it, but that's the only occasion in Daniel's life we could have even remotely come up with something. But the Bible says very clearly, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and everyone needs to trust Christ. And so you might have been a good kid like Daniel, but you still need to be saved. And you might have been a bad kid. But once you're saved, your life can change. Because we walk with God. And he changes us through his word and through his spirit. So the question for you today is really simple. Are you moving toward God? Or away from him. There is no middle ground. You're moving toward him. Or you're moving away from him. What's going on. In your life. I want you to think about that for just a minute. As somebody comes and plays. Benjamin comes and plays. and um, We're going to sing. Living for Jesus in just a moment. You don't need to bow your heads. You don't need to hum. You just need to think. Am I moving closer to God? Or not? And the only alternative is not a good one. What's going on in your life?